This morning's Old Testament lesson comes from Leviticus chapter 9, or no, chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. And um, I don't know about uh, you, but one of the things that I have actually, like one of the <laughs> bright sides of, uh, of this whole virus, and there are plenty of not bright sides, but there are plenty of bright sides as well. But one of the bright sides has been just seeing the jokes that have gone around <laughs> because of this. And one of them that I have seen is someone who um, put online, you know, has two people. And the first person says, I don't read the Bible. It's full of outdated ideas that uh, don't matter today. And the second person says, it tells you to wash your hands, cook your food thoroughly, and don't eat bats. And that's just Leviticus. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, <laughs> um, Leviticus is the book that, uh, that seems to be the stopping point for a lot of people if they try to read through the Bible because it does it get a bit confusing as, as to um, how do you read this? What is it uh, saying for us? And so it's odd. This is uh, our Old Testament lesson for today. And yet I think you will find it uh, perfectly <laughs> relevant for today. And of course, if you want to know more about the book of Leviticus and its, uh, its role in its entirety, check out the Bible Project. They've got a great video on that. Uh, but before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to hear it or to hear it well, or that you would help us to pay attention to uh, what you are actually saying instead of just what we want to hear. Lord, help us to hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 19, starting in verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyards a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Turning then to First uh, Peter, chapter three, verses eight through eighteen. Here, uh, Peter. As we continue in our reading of First Peter, Peter talks about actually having the same kind of the same way of thinking that Jesus Himself had. 
And so when he talks about being like-minded, that's what that's about, is being those who think like Jesus. So this is 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 18. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in, in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we are continuing in our series uh, through the Gospel of John that we have uh, been in for quite some time. And this week, we are noticing kind of a, another change in the way things have been going. And that kind of seems fitting for this whole year as we've experienced it thus far. Is One of the things I saw online was the, uh, the most useless thing I bought in 2019 was a 2020 planner. <laughs> because it seems like everything that we have done so far this year has not gone how we thought it was going to go. That uh, right is, okay, now we get it. Now this is how it's going to go. Oh, just kidding. No, it's not. And so um, that is what we're kind of looking at with uh, Jesus and his disciples as we're looking at this last, we've been looking kind of at that last week uh, as Jesus approaches the, cl- the cross. Now we're looking at the last evening and things continue to take a turn. And so we looked a couple uh, weeks ago at how, you know, the disciples expect to be getting together with Jesus. And yeah, we're going to share this meal together. And that's what we do. We've been doing this every year. And we've been doing this several years with, with Jesus even. And at this meal, though, Jesus gets up and he puts a towel around his waist. And he goes and he starts to wash their feet. And they're like, what is even going on here? And you remember Peter is the one who actually objects. He's like, you can't wash me. We're not doing that. That's not what goes on here. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And so we see this kind of, things were a little different. Then the, uh, what we looked at last week was actually Judas and how he, uh, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me and he already knows who it is. And he gives Judas his piece of bread and he says, whatever you're, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. And so Judas gets up and he leaves and says, and it was night. And so there's this darkness kind of overcast on this whole affair. And, um, and that, again, that hadn't happened before in any of their uh, meals they'd had together over the years. It was a little different. 
And then uh, today, there's another change, and that is that Judas has already gone. And so Judas was still there for Jesus to wash his feet. And we marveled at that last couple of weeks. Uh, but this week, it actually begins, the passage begins by saying, when he was gone. And this is that next change, that next turn of the events of the evening. When Judas leaves, now Jesus kind of turns to the other 11 disciples and starts saying, all right, let me tell you guys some stuff. <laughs> let me tell you how things are going to go. And he starts specifically preparing these 11 for what's coming next. And so here's the, oh, and I should tell you, it's been uh, partly a pattern for the disciples all the way along that Jesus will tell them things and they don't get it. They're not really understanding what he's talking about. And that happens again today. So we'll read through it. We'll see if you uh, follow along with what he's saying or if you follow along with how the disciples are hearing it. Here we go. This is uh, John chapter 13, verses 31 to 38. It says, when he was gone, that is Judas, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. All right. So what is Jesus saying? How do the disciples hear it? Um, and of course, I say, how do the disciples hear it? We really only hear from Peter, but Peter is the one who kind of speaks up on behalf of the disciples. We see this often. In fact, we see this not only through the Gospels, we even see this in the book of Acts when you get to Pentecost and people are looking at all the disciples saying, what's going on? Are they drunk? What's the deal? And Peter is the one who stands up uh, and speaks for all the disciples and says, no, that's not what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we see him kind of in this spokesman role. like He's the one who says what everybody else is thinking. And so right here, we have this again. Uh, but but first, before we get to how Peter hears it, what is it that Jesus is actually saying? As Jesus is starting to prepare his disciples for what's coming. Again, I said this is this turning point where Judas has left, so now things enter sort of this, this next phase of the operation. And, here, and here's why. Things are now in motion. Judas has left. He has gone to go uh, betray Jesus to the people who are going to come and arrest Jesus. The time that has been getting shorter and shorter is now very short. Jesus doesn't have a lot of time with his disciples uh, remaining. And so, but they don't know that. You know, as far as they know, we were with him last week, we'll be with him next week. We were, you know, with him yesterday, we'll be with him tomorrow. And Jesus knows that's not the case. And so he kind of gets into this 
uh, <laughs> focused zone of preparation for them for what is coming. And so he begins and he says, now the son of man is glorified. What does that even mean? Son of man is glorified. <laughs> and what does that have to do with coming on the heels of Judas leaving? Things being in motion, time being short. But it's exactly that. That Jesus knows that the way that he's going to be glorified, the way that people are going to see his greatness, is when he goes to the cross. That it's actually his death on the cross that is, to put it this way, his crowning achievement. It wasn't what the disciples were expecting, but that is what is his crowning achievement, is going to the cross to die on behalf of the people who needed it. And so he says, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. In other words, this is coming really, really quickly. This is at hand. This is at once. And uh, this idea of God glorifying the Son, that's how this is going to happen. See, here's the thing. Again, we're looking at the Son of Man language. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. Go back and look that one up. You need to. Uh, But this idea of the one who is truly human. But here's the thing. Jesus is truly human and also truly God. And so when it talks about uh, God glorifying him and him glorifying the Father, that's what happens. That's how this glorifying works, is that Jesus is showing people what God the Father is actually like, who he really is. And in the life of Jesus, God the Father is glorified. Make sense? And then on the same time, and, and when Jesus gives his life, this is how we know who God is. We know what the love of God is for us. This is what uh, John talks about in First uh, John 4. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son. And sent his, uh, well, let me look it up. I got the words wrong there. <laughs> um, there are so many places where it talks about the same kind of idea. First uh, John 4 says, this is how God, uh, oh yeah, I'm mixing up two parts of it. <laughs> I'll talk about this later. But anyway, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, God has actually made a sacrifice on our behalf. The love that God has for his people is not just warm, fuzzy feelings. It's a sacrificial, giving love. How do we know that? We know that when we look at the cross. We know that when we see Jesus giving his life. And so we say, uh, how do we know the love of God? We look at Jesus on the cross. So Jesus on the cross lets us know more truly who God is right? And so God is glorified in Jesus. This is why he said uh, that God is glorified in him. But then on the other hand, it's God the Father who is glorifying Jesus, who's letting people know who he really is. And so everybody who looks at him and it says, ah, this uh, person that we can shove a crown of thorns on his head and spit on him and beat him because he's a nobody, It is God who actually raises him up and exalts him, who raises him back to life, but then who also says, you know, we talk about him being seated at the right hand of God the Father. That it is God who raises him up. Why? Because he he was obedient even to death. This is uh, Philippians 2 again. That this is how, uh, that it's all in the cross. This is why I say this is crowning achievement. And yeah, crown of thorns makes sense. Because it is a crown, but it is also a crown of 
that has involved suffering. And this is uh, what Jesus is talking about. All of this kind of wrapped up in one and how this is all coming very soon, he's telling his disciples, all coming very soon, that you will see more clearly who God really is and you will know more clearly who I really am. I'm glorifying him, he's glorifying me, and this is how how it's going to work. And it's happening. This is all coming. But because he knows that all of this is coming and it's coming at the cross, he knows it involves his death. And that's where we get in the second section where he says, my children... I will be with you only a little longer and you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, talking about the Jewish leaders, uh, so I tell you, the Jewish disciples, now where I am going, you cannot come. Well, where is he going? He's going to the cross. He's going to die. And they can't do that now. They will die later, but they won't be able to die for the sins of the world. That's what he's doing. He is going to do battle with the powers of sin and death and evil, and he's going to defeat them. They can't go do that. So this he does uh, on his own. But then as his parting words, he says to them, all right, because I'm leaving, here's what I need you to do while I'm gone. Ever have parents tell you that? All right, I'm leaving. Here's what you need to do while I'm gone. (laughs) Right? These are kind of these parting instructions. Um, And it is reminiscent of kind of the, in Deuteronomy, when Moses is on the edge of the promised land and he gives everybody this whole book of Deuteronomy replaying the story and the, uh, their history, but the commands that God has given of here's how to live in this land. This is what you are to do so that things will go well. Because Moses isn't going in the promised land. So this is what you all are to do. And it's that sort of feel that Jesus now has as he talks to his disciples and he says, okay, so here we go. A new command I give you. Love one another. That's it. That's the command. Love one another. Uh, a previous pastor here actually told me one time, if you're watching High Leonard, uh, that, that he always wanted to uh, preach the shortest sermon ever where we just stand up and say, love one another, and then sit down. I think that would be it. Um, and I've liked the idea of that because it would be a sermon that you could absolutely memorize the entire sermon. Love one another. But of course, it's one of those things, uh, that command is easier said than done. Um, And it's also easy to twist it around to mean something it doesn't mean. And so this is why Jesus doesn't just say love one another, though he does repeat that quite a bit as he continues this evening. But he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus gives us the definition of what it means to love one another and what does it mean? He just showed them a little while earlier when he washes their feet. It's service. And in the next uh, several hours, he's going to show them again the sacrifice. The service and the sacrifice for the good of the others, that's what it means. That's what he's doing, the laying down his life for their good. And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is it. This is what it's about. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples to do. And so now you expect that they're going to respond and ask a question about love. What does it mean to love like you love? How does that work? Somehow interact on that particular topic and they don't. This is the main thing he's saying. 
and this is the thing they're not hearing. So in case you missed it, <laughs> love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, why do I say they missed it? Because Peter speaks up. Jesus says, love one another. And Peter says, hey, where are you going? (laughs) Wait, what? Peter, come on, man. But that's how we do, isn't it? You hear the part, he heard the part where Jesus says, I'm going to be with you just a little while longer. Where I'm going, you can't come. Here's what I need you to do while I'm gone. And he's like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yada, yada over that part. Where are you going? That's the part I want to know. Why can't I come? I want to come. Don't leave me here to love people. I want to come with you. Where are you going? It's like, no, you stay there. You love people. <laughs> but that's where, uh, uh, where Peter seems to miss it. He skipped over the important part and goes to the part that he wanted to talk about. Where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. I explained why that is the case. But Peter doesn't understand that. And so even though Jesus is going to die for them, Peter says, I would lay down my life. That's what I would do. I'm willing to go that far. So if I can't go with you just because it's dangerous, I'm not afraid of that. Come on. That's not about that. (laughs) Jesus is about to go and do what only Jesus can go and do. But he is leaving Peter with something that Peter can do (laughs) to lay down his life for others, to actually love others as Jesus has loved them, both in service and in sacrifice. And in fact, then Jesus answers, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This line right here, and we will talk more about this when it comes uh, into play later in the story, but this line right here, Peter thinks he knows who he is. And Jesus tells him something different. And Jesus is right. And Peter is wrong. (laughs) This part right here is almost as mind-blowing as Jesus washing Judas's feet. Because Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows himself. Peter thinks that he has it within himself to do right by Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you don't. (laughs) You do not have that within you. You just don't. We talked about this a few weeks ago when, when Peter was protesting having his feet washed. And Jesus is like, I have to wash you. Or you don't have any part with me. It's the same kind of thing here. Peter thinks he's clean, and Jesus knows he's not. But here's the this is the part that's so mind blowing is that even though Peter thinks he's strong when really he's weak, Jesus knows he's weak and doesn't reject him. Jesus knows that he's weak and still gives him things to do. Hey, go love people like I love you. Do that. Jesus washes his feet knowing that he's about to deny him and to disown him three times. And we will continue to follow the story of Peter uh, as the rest of this story unfolds um, after they leave that room and they go to the garden. 
And we see what Peter does there. When they go uh, to the courts and we see what he does there. And then when he sees Jesus raised again and what he does there. So we will follow the story of Peter. But for now, um, but for now, I hope that we can hear what Jesus is saying. Not just what we want to hear. Peter, speaking for the other disciples, heard uh, what he wanted to hear. But I'll tell you this. After Jesus is raised from the dead, after the Holy Spirit comes and reminds them of everything Jesus said to them, teaches them all things, after that, Peter gets it. And when we read the letter of 1 Peter, which we've been reading through uh, together each Sunday morning, we see Peter talking about loving one another. This is the message. This is what it's about. John, who's writing this gospel, you think he gets it? Yeah, he gets it. Here's, uh, let me give you another assignment for today. Uh, 1 John. This is where John writes another letter. And in this letter, he talks about a lot of the same themes that he talks about through the gospel of John. But when he gets uh, to this idea of love, my goodness. I don't even want to tell you. I'll, I'll tell you one little part. It says, this is how we know what love is. This is chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There you go. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What does that look like, John? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, love like Jesus loved. Love for real. With service and sacrifice for the good of others. Here's the assignment, though. You can do this through the whole book of John if you don't want to do or whole book of First John if you don't want to do that. At least chapter four. Find your Bible, go through, and just somehow mark. Yes, it's okay to mark in your Bible. Don't mark in other people's Bibles, but it's okay to mark in your own. And uh, just somehow circle or underline or highlight every time the word love is used in John chapter four. If you want to expand that to the whole book, that's good too. Um, and there are places where that theme comes up even when it's not the word. But just look at the way he uses this word and the way that he des- defines it and describes it. I think it would be good to do so. Uh, so that we don't miss what Jesus is saying about the priority of this command to love like he loves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have given. And God, we do thank you for the ways that you give, the ways that you serve, the ways that you sacrifice, the ways that you love. God, we do pray that uh, we would be faithful representatives of who you are. As we love one another. Lord, help us to be more attentive to your word. And Lord, help us to be more attentive to the needs of others. God, that we would would know better how you are leading us. 
who you are shaping us to be as we walk in the way of Jesus and in this way of love. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.